Hi, this is Jacob Haller, the host of Tell Me About Your Song, recording on a beautiful summer day in my apartment, so you might hear some background noise. In a recent episode, I talked to Adam Hogue and Jason Dolbeck of The Adjuncts about one of their songs, and the actual original conversation was kind of uh, freewheeling and wide-ranging, and we talked about some things that weren't really directly relevant to the song. And in fact, Adam had some questions for me about some of my songs, and I thought that some of you might find some of that stuff interesting, so I thought I would package it up and put it out as a bonus episode. So there's a few different sections of the interview that I'm going to include. In this first one, we uh, basically talk about the experience of being in a band and figuring out how you get together a set of songs. Enjoy. We practice every Monday, and he'll have about two or three new songs each time, and he'll want to play them and kind of push aside the old ones. Yeah. Like so I, I like always have to say, we don't. that's not how bands really work. You usually play like an album <laughs> for a long time, and then you introduce songs slowly. But I feel like when people come to see us, they're going to get new stuff always. Mm-hmm. You know, Every show, there'll be something new. And my first band, kind of as an adult, it was just me and one other guy. And we mostly did covers of, you know, our folk songs or whatever. But Big like, Road over, Blues. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so over like a few years, we accumulated 150 songs. Like there were 150 songs we could play. We didn't have them all memorized, but, you know, we could do them. And then um, at some point, we decided to make the band electric. And so we found a drummer and a bass player and i went into it with the same idea that like okay in each practice we learn two new songs and we just keep going that until you know we know 300 songs (laughs) after i think three or four rehearsals uh uh my chris the other guy who'd been playing with me sort of took me aside and was like let me explain to you (laughs) how bands usually work (laughs) you learn a bunch of songs and then you basically stop practicing for a while and you just play out and I was like, oh, you just don't, huh, interesting. Just had never occurred to me. Um, well, I don't know what the purpose of that story was, but, uh, so. I know. Well, it has to do with what, what I was yeah. saying to him, like, you know. We, we right. got, hey, we got it. Okay, good, good. Message received. Message received. It was more fun that way. Yeah. Learning yeah. new songs and. Yeah. I mean, it's. I guess you could just perfect a small group of songs if you really want to. But and actually going, tying it back into the one song. Oh, yeah. In this next part of the discussion, Adam asked me about performing by song, watching Killer Robots Eat Your Head, and it got me to reminiscing about memorable performances of various songs I've written. Question for you, the host. What's your most memorable moment of playing Killer Robots Eat Your Head? Oh, well, okay. Yes. Good question. Because <laughs> <laughs> that song's my favorite. Okay. So, um, I was asked to guest host an open mic. Uh, I forget where exactly, but between here and Boston in Massachusetts someplace at a, I think it was a Mexican place slash bar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was basically a bunch of people playing Johnny Cash songs, which I think from my set up at, uh, you, you know, I'm not opposed to that. You, you right. are aware, but, uh, that's, you get, you give the people what they want. Uh, yeah. The, when you, when you've learned 150 songs, <laughs> you're like, Oh yeah, I know two Johnny cash songs. And, <laughs> um, 
So I was I was at this place, and I one of the songs I did was the song I, I wrote called Codependent, which I forget if you've heard that one or not. But it's uh, this country think, song sort of thing, and it's yeah, I think I remember. Yeah. Now some folks might call us codependent and say our reuniting's insane, but things ain't the same without you, my dear. Please come back and make me miserable again. So after I did that song, this guy was at the bar, fairly drunk, and he says to me, uh, I have a joke for you. I say, okay. He says, this guy and his friend are sitting in the bar. He says to his friend, uh, you know, my wife hasn't talked to me in a week. And his friend says, well, what are you bragging about? <laughs> 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 so he may have uh, uh, identified with that song a little much, <laughs> but um, oh, but I, I was playing at this other place. You know, I think of it. This is at a completely different location and has nothing to do with that last story. But I, I uh, it was down in Narragansett, I think. I was playing at a bar, an open mic, and I did Killer Robots. I was on Interstate 95 just the other day, and I guess I was one of the people who was in your way, and you cut right in front of me without any sign. Brother, that's just fine, but now that I'm home and I've gone to bed, I have a strange vision running right through my head. I'm watching killer robots in your head. And then uh, afterwards, uh, this guy's like, hey, I really like that the song about the robots. I'm like, oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. And he's like, I could just picture the robot <laughs> smashing her head. And I was like, <laughs> I, you may have gotten some things out of the song that I did not put there. <laughs> but, uh, uh, well, I'll tell, yeah, let me tell you about my song. So the <laughs> other one was, um, I played, this was also in Narragansett, but it was at a much sort of fancier thing. It was in, I forget what it's called, but you know, like if you drive down in Narragansett, there's like this big arch and there's mm -hmm. a building over it and it's yeah, right, yeah. right on the sea. And the Rhode Island Songwriters Association had booked the place. Nice. Yeah. And I was one of the performers. And so there were like, I forget, there were, there might have been like eight of us, but maybe that seems like a lot. Maybe it was more like six, but we were playing in the round. So there's just this row of songwriters. I was the first one to play in each round. So we, you know, I play a song, everyone else plays a song, and it just goes down until we've done like four or five songs each, probably. So the first song I did was this song called uh, I'm the, uh, You're the Tea in My Teacup. And the way that that song goes is that the first verse, it seems fairly innocent and it's like you're the tea in my tea cup you're the <laughs> beer in my glass you're the whiskey in my coffee and then the second verse goes yo the heroin in my needle yo the cocaine on my spoon 
and so I did that song, and that was like the opener. And I like doing, you know, I have a couple songs that have big twists in them, mm-hmm. and I like doing those first in a set because then if no one's ever heard it before, it just is more likely to catch them completely off guard. Uh, so I did that, and it really did catch everyone completely off guard. And uh, afterwards, I you could just kind of the feel the audience going like, "Who is this guy? <laughs> what is his deal?" So then it goes down the row, and everyone else does their songs. Then it gets back to me, and I did Killer Robots. And then after that one, people are again are like, "That wasn't really reassuring." <laughs> we go down the row, and then the third one, I forget, you know, but I did. One of my my conventionally amusing songs, yeah. and, uh, and then people are like, "Okay, I think I get what this guy is doing." Now. <laughs> okay, so in this next segment, Adam asked Jason and me about, um, you know, when we're starting to write a song, how we think about it, and this is going to be the last segment of the original interview that I'm going to include in this bonus episode, and it's also by far the sweariest. Like, I'm not kidding; I swear more in this than probably in any other episode. Or in all the other episodes of this podcast combined. So if you're in a room with kids or you don't like hearing that kind of language, I might stop here. Okay, let's get to it. I guess if I'm thinking about um, your band, The Stilts. I guess I'm, I'm curious. I would be curious with Jim too. When you're writing a song, and you too, you can join in. What's the first thing that you usually do? Like for me, it's very much like I'll put together a chordal structure, rhythm, or something, or have something that I like, and then fit words to it. What What about you with the stilts? Do you usually approach it with lyrics, or do you? A lick. I know that, like in high school, you were very lick heavy. Yeah, like you were, riff, you were a riff guy, and like you'd ha- we'd have a riff, and we'd make, you know, a ten-minute song from a like a riff. Mm-hmm. We have a really good album called "The Fridge" by our high school band Floyd the Barber. It's a av- <laughs> it's available on Bandcamp. Oh yeah, that's right. You put free. it on there. It's all. Uh, Almost 100% improvised. Yeah. Good. I'll Go play. Ahead. As you know, you know me. Yep. As you would say, I'm always noodling. Mm-hmm. Most You're of noodling. the time, the, that kind of goes nowhere. But eventually, sometimes I get something and I latch onto it. And then I'll usually sit with it for a while and then add lyrics. But it's pretty natural. There's not like a... It usually kind of happens... You know, at the same time, where I'm not, it kind of, kind of, kind of comes through me, for lack of better terms, where it's like I, I usually don't have to try too hard to think mm-hmm. about it, and if I do, I usually don't end up liking that song as as much. That's why there's a lot of rhyming, because rhyming's just easy to get the flow out of, of mm-hmm. uh, out there. And but yeah, mostly uh, play first, then lyrics. Sometimes just the same. Same time. But I find that lyrics don't really come to me when I'm playing the drums now. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. <laughs> but how about you? I mean, I think for me, it's pretty much always like a concept first. You know, like like that codependent song that I was talking about. Like the idea was there. I wanted to write a country song where, 
kind of the idea of it was that the singer has broken up with this woman or who knows genders are not specified in the song i don't think <laughs> um and his life has gotten like 100 percent better but he can't stand it and he wants her back yeah like so that was the concept of that song and then i just it, it all kind of flowed from that um stale tequila uh <laughs> which is everyone it says do the song about the stolen kid kidney and i'm like you just gave it away yeah <laughs> <laughs> then i awoke in a bathtub full of ice you left a note i had to read it twice it said call 911 i stole your kidney thanks for the fun I felt myself start to fall apart Well, I know you took my kidney But you also stole my heart And I woke up That was the one where the th- the, the theme was assigned Like Stale Tequila, was, I had to write a song I remember saying that was for one of those songwriter circles, right? Right mm-hmm. Yeah But the idea I got was, you know, that it's the that old urban legend about the mm-hmm. guy's kidney gets stolen and then i'm a little bit addicted to putting twists into songs as you may have noticed but the, like the kind of the twist Shyamalan there of... yes exactly yeah yep yeah I mean, yeah my first song was the best one and after that they've gotten successively more <laughs> disappointing but what a twist oh man what a twist in that first song yeah but the last movie, I, the last song of my career will be so great. It will be its own little twist <laughs> ending in it all. Um, so, so then the idea there is, you know, that that happens, you know, but he's still in love with, you know, he, yeah, there's a lot of that going on in my songs now that I think about it. And then Killer Robots, actually, Killer Robots originally had a kind of a different concept. I mean, I wrote the, I wrote an entire song and then I had to throw away most of it except for the chorus. Because uh, originally it was like a song. It was between you know two lovers, I guess. Uh, but it was just so creepy. Just was no way. There was just nothing. There was just no way. It was not enjoyable to play or to listen to. And so I was like, okay, well we'll get rid of all that stuff and let's, um, you know. And then it was just like sort of thinking about situations because the, in the original song the idea was that uh he was like trying to figure out like why do i keep having these weird visions when so creepy no bad (laughs) um and so then i was like okay well where are just some situations where you would probably have that kind of vision and that was a little easier to to come up with something road rage scenario road rage and then meetings everyone's been in one of those meetings (laughs) or not you know a lot of people have a lot of uh teachers find that song very relatable I have yeah. found. Um, and then, yeah. So anyway, so the concept tends, can, tends to come first. And then the lyrics. And then I usually set it to music last. Like I often oh, have. interesting. I often kind of have a tune in mind when I'm writing it. Mm-hmm. But then I am often concerned that I've accidentally stolen the melody or whatever from someplace else. And it's not original at all. And then I have to, like screw things around change the chords around or something so that i i'm like okay well this time i've completely screwed everything up so i'm pretty (laughs) sure that this is original and um but you know my guitar playing i used to say it wasn't very good and then people would yell at me but it's 
kind of rudimentary in some ways. It, like it's hmm. there's <laughs> kind of one rhythm to it that I tend to go back to. And it serves you. You serve the lyrics first. I think. Yeah. That's, so yeah. it works perfect with you know the but songs I, that you're writing. Yeah, and but and the rhyming thing. I mean, <clears throat> my songs always used to rhyme, and they still mostly do. But at some point, a friend of mine wrote basically the only she wrote one song and then stopped it was like <laughs> the greatest song in the world let's see that little martin's always in tune so it was after uh she was dumped by this guy and she goes and the song goes you're a cock sucking <laughs> son of a bitch a cock sucking <laughs> son of a bitch um <laughs> And the verses are like, um, let's see. You threw your bag. No, let's see. You threw your bags into the back of your focus. You cocksucker son of a bitch. <laughs> you drove out west to Oregon to live with your mother. You cocksucker son of a bitch. And uh, I love this song, as you can tell. Um, and then after, only after I listened to it a bunch of times did I realize that none of it, none of the lines rhyme. Like there were just no rhymes in it whatsoever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it turns out a really great song does not actually have to rhyme. And so yeah, after that, that's true. So after that, I stopped worrying. Like, I still normally try to rhyme most of the time, but every once in a while, it's like it just works better. If if you have like a, the vocal, if the vocal melody is there, or like that, even just that, that kind of like. Um with the chords and what you're singing, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to rhyme. It just flows into each line mm. yeah. anyway. And I mean, talking about concept-based songs, like the concept yeah. in that song is so strong. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And something that everyone has thought at one time or another. Yes. But like um, the chorus to Stale Tequila uh, used to be twice as long and it used to rhyme. Um, and then at some point I was like, the chorus is not what the song is about and you're just all the time that you're listening to it you're just like why am i listening to this part of the song you know yeah. which is the chorus like then i woke up the taste of stale tequila in my mouth i looked around i was all alone how could you do it you were so beautiful you know like that's that doesn't have to be twice as long just so that it can rhyme yeah right no. so yeah, that's a great song. Well, <laughs> yeah, great podcast, guys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's that. I should say that that uh, cock sucking son of a bitch song uh, was actually co-written by two of my friends, and that you can find them on MySpace as Dirty Folk D U with an umlaut R T Y Folk. I'll also link to it in the show notes, etc. Um, but that's about it. That's the end of this bonus episode. Thanks again to Adam and Jason of The Adjuncts for talking to me. And uh, thanks for listening. And I guess I'll put one of my songs at the end of this, one of the songs we talked about. You're the TMI teacup. So enjoy that. And I'll be back with a non-bonus episode soon. Bye. <laughs> Yo, the tea in my teacup. Yo, the beer in my glass. Yo, the whiskey in 
my coffee I know that we're gonna last I know we're sure gonna last And I can't live without you, baby You just smooth all my troubles away You become quite a habit to me I want you more each and every day You're the heroin in my needle You're the cocaine on my spoon You make me so high I feel like I could fly You got me howling at the moon You got me howling at the moon And I can't you baby you just smooth all my troubles away you become quite a habit to me I want you more each and every day Janelle. 